Last thing I want to do is listen to myself from seven years ago. (laughs) (laughs) That was when you became Jacob's witness. You like gave up. Yeah, Yeah, we've we've got a lot to catch. Oh, you got a lot to catch. Yeah, I'm a J Dub now. (laughs) Yeah, a lot of of the listeners haven't heard that. (laughs) (laughs) Do you like the red room? I love the red room. It matches you. (laughs) (laughs) No, I thought we were talking about John's God because I don't have a God. But if you make a specific claim, which a lot of people like claim to know the mind of God all the time, um, then I know you're full of shit because I know nobody knows. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Is everything meaningless? Is nothing? Is there is, is there nothing? And so, in other words, I don't actually. I, I reject uh, nihilism. I think you actually have to make a a positive a leap of faith or philosophical statement to in order to say that you believe that there is no meaning. Because I think you have to actually now you're asserting something. And so, in other words, in order to positively state that you. Uh, are a nihilist, you have to have actually now made a leap of faith that you think that nothing is the, is the, is true or real or, or have any meaning. I know nobody know nobody knows. So where are you these days, Glenn, with uh, your God, your quantum God? I'm guessing. Who's <laughs> talking about nature? Yeah, I mean, I I think God is an is is just an idea that people have as a way to explain the unknown. It's like a, a label or a symbol that people slap on things that they don't understand. This is Infants on Thrones. Baby steps. Who wants someone to preach to? The philosophies of men. I like magical toys. Who wants religion to Mingled with humor. I don't believe in them. There will be many willing to preach to you the philosophies of men mingled with humor. We are evolving. Baby steps. You can buy anything this world of money. the good in everything look for the people who will set your soul free it always seems impossible until it's done look for the good in everyone hey there welcome back to infants on thrones I'm Glenn Ostland, and this is episode 748, John's God, Randy's God, and Optimistic Nihilism. And I'm really excited to be welcoming back two of my beloved infant brothers, John Hamer and Randy Snyder, to catch up a bit and to talk about God, which is really a way of talking about meaning. Okay, so what if uh, the, the Star Trek was reality, and you went into a transporter, and every single cell in your body, every atom in your body was copied and then re, um, constituted at the other site. Is that, you? is that you? Which is why I want to start out today's episode with a brief audio clip about optimistic nihilism from a YouTube channel called Kurzgesagt. 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 Pseudopigrapha? Pseudopigrapha. Whatever it's called. It's a really great channel with a lot of great videos, and I'm going to share one with you right now, and then I'm going to jump right into my conversation with John and Randy. So, hang on. 
Hang on to them hats and glasses, cause this here's the wildest ride in the wilderness. Human existence is scary and confusing. A few hundred thousand years ago, we became conscious and found ourselves in a strange place. It was filled with other beings. We could eat some, some could eat us. There was liquid stuff we could drink, things we could use to make more things. The daytime sky had a tiny yellow ball that warmed our skin. The night sky was filled with beautiful lights. This place was obviously made for us. Something was watching over us. We were home. This made everything much less scary and confusing. But the older we got, the more we learned about the world and ourselves. We learned that the twinkling lights are not shining beautifully for us, they just are. We learned that we're not at the center of what we now call the universe, and that it is much, much older than we thought. We learned that we're made of many little dead things, which make up bigger things that are not dead for some reason, and that we're just another temporary stage in a history going back over a billion years. We learned, in all, that we live on a moist speck of dust moving around a medium-sized star in a quiet region of one arm of an average galaxy, which is part of a galaxy group that we will never leave. And this group is only one of thousands that together make up a galaxy supercluster. But even our supercluster is only one in thousands that make up what we call the observable universe. The universe might be a million times bigger, but we will never know. We could throw words around like 200 billion galaxies or trillions of stars or bazillions of planets, but all of these numbers mean nothing. Our brains can't comprehend these concepts. The universe is too big. There is too much of it. But size is not the most troubling concept we have to deal with. It's time, or more precisely, the time we have. If you're lucky enough to live to 100, you have 5,200 weeks at your disposal. If you're 25 now, then you have 3,900 weeks left. If you're going to die at 70, then there are 2,340 weeks left. A lot of time, but also not really. And then what? Your biological processes will break down and the dynamic pattern that is you will stop being dynamic. It will dissolve until there is no you left. Some believe that there is a part of us we can't see or measure but we have no way to find out. So this life might be it, and we might end up dead forever. This is less scary than it sounds though. If you don't remember the 13.75 billion years that went by before you existed, then the trillions and trillions and trillions of years that come after will pass in no time once you're gone. Close your eyes, count to one. That's how long forever feels. And as far as we know, in the end, the universe itself will die and nothing will ever change again. Our videos induce existential dread in many people and the last few minutes probably haven't helped. So for once we want to offer a different way of looking at these things. An unscientific, subjective point of view. The philosophy of Kurzgesagt, if you want. Please take it with a grain of salt. We don't know any more about human existence than you do. We counter existential dread with optimistic nihilism. What do we mean by that? Well, to summarize, it seems very unlikely that 200 trillion trillion stars have been made for us. In a way, it feels like the cruelest joke in existence has been played on us. We became self-aware only to realize this story is not about us. While it is great to know about electrons and the powerhouse of the cell, science doesn't do a lot to make this less depressing. Okay, but so what? You only get one shot at life, which is scary, but it also sets you free. 
If the universe ends in heat death, every humiliation you suffer in your life will be forgotten. Every mistake you made will not matter in the end. Every bad thing you did will be voided. If our life is all we get to experience, then it's the only thing that matters. If the universe has no principles, the only principles relevant are the ones we decide on. If the universe has no purpose, then we get to dictate what its purpose is. Humans will most certainly cease to exist at some point. But before we do, we get to explore ourselves and the world around us. We get to experience feelings. We get to experience food, books, sunrises, and being with each other. The fact that we're even able to think about these things is already kind of incredible. It's easy to think of ourselves as separated from everything, but this is not true. We are as much the universe as a neutron star, or a black hole, or a nebula. Even better, actually, we are its thinking and feeling part, the sensory organs of the universe. We are truly free in a universe-sized playground. So we might as well aim to be happy and to build some kind of utopia in the stars. It's not as if we found out everything there is to know. We don't know why the rules of the universe are as they are, how life came into existence, what life is. We have no idea what consciousness is or if we are alone in the universe, but we can try to find some answers. There are billions of stars to visit, diseases to cure, people to help, happy feelings to be experienced, and video games to finish. There is so much to do. So, wrapping up, you've probably used up a good chunk of the time available to you. If this is our one shot at life, there is no reason not to have fun and live as happily as possible. Bonus points if you make the life of other people better. More bonus points if you help build a galactic human empire. Do the things that make you feel good. You get to decide whatever this means for you. I, I, I honestly don't know what we're going to talk about, but it's just so... Like, I, I'm just going to stare at you the whole time, Randy. I hope that doesn't make you feel uncomfortable as you're sitting on the other side of the screen and you can just feel my adoring eyes <laughs> on you. <laughs> Do you like the red room? I love the red room. Ah. It matches you. <laughs> it does. Because you're totally red and you're wearing red. It's, it's <laughs> I'm, I'm still peeling from Cancun. Oh, like did my... you go for your birthday? No, we just went uh, to meet with another family for a vacation. Yeah. Cool. We didn't really celebrate my birthday. You don't ever celebrate? That was when you became Jehovah's Witness. You like gave yeah. up. <laughs> yeah, we've, we've got a lot to catch Oh, you got a lot to catch. On. Yeah, I'm a, a J-Dub now. <laughs> yeah, a lot, of, a lot of the listeners haven't heard that story. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a doozy. The I duck. think... They're with they me. They're, you get reviews. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that'd be a bigger chance of monkeys flying out of my ass okay. than joining like, the J Dubs. We got, got 143,999, Randy. <laughs> what? I said we got 143,999. Oh, yes. I'm the last on, one. On the list, yes. Get on, get on now. You got you got you gotta sign now because <laughs> I got in just under the wire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, what were we talking about? You. What, what's life been like for oh. you? Oh yeah, I don't celebrate birthdays. No, yeah. it was, uh, no. I just I, I I work almost every birthday because I just hate my birthday. Yeah. And uh, hate uh, people making a big deal about it. About birthdays in general. Eh. 
Yeah. So I got to ask you, did, did you listen to, to the last, at least the last uh, 15 minutes or so that I put as an Easter egg on that episode of Katie Langston? Did, did you listen back to uh, you and John and I no, last PPR thing, when we were talking about? Last thing I want to do is listen to myself from seven years ago. Really? <laughs> you don't like that? I uh, don't know. No. So you I, didn't I, listen to it? I listened no. to the whole PPI maybe like a year ago. Yeah, because uh, I was just feeling nostalgic for you guys, and yeah. and, um, and I was listening to the conversation. I I tried to listen to the that last fifteen minutes, and it was like Randy saying, "Okay, if if you if we I ought to believe in your God, whatever." I'm like, I can't do this today. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I didn't I didn't re-listen to it today, but I listened to the um uh, to the the PPI last year. It was fun to be able to revisit with you guys. Yeah, so I, I remember being like, okay, I'm just trying to pin it down. But, uh, you know, I, I've since just don't give a fuck about God. And, <laughs> and like I, you did before? I think that was, well, I think that was, well, I think it was like uh, kind of my residual black and white thinking that I'd been so trained on. Mm for so long that I need, I need a specific definition of your God and, uh, uh, or I needed at the time and now I don't care. So, um, but if you make a specific claim, which a lot of people like claim to know the mind of God all the time, right. Um, then I know you're full of shit because I know nobody knows. And, uh, so if you have anything specific to say, then I will take that on. (laughs) Um, I'm an atheist to any specific claims. That's for sure. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm, I'm curious to hear just, just like kind of catching up what, what's different in your life over the last couple of years, Randy, has there been any like major significant changes that you want to talk about? Yeah. I'm a grandpa. (laughs) Yeah. You're a grandpa. Yeah. My uh, adopted son is now my adopted daughter. Oh, we're going to talk about, okay. So this is uh, in, in uh, you asked for Claire, one of the changes. Right? Yeah, yeah John, that's, a big, Jonathan, that's a big change. Jonathan yeah. is now Claire, and uh, and so my daughter with a penis impregnated another woman, and <laughs> and now I'm a grandpa, <laughs> and she's almost two years old now. They live in our basement. Yeah, well, I I thought it would be fun to do like a where are your thoughts on God now if they've shifted at all, but I'm not gonna like twist your arm if you're not interested in talking about god what what are you interested in what would you like to talk about no i thought we we're talking about john's god because i don't have a god <laughs> okay <laughs> <laughs> all right well let's start with you john so from from what you remember of that ppi or your thoughts on god do, do you think that your view on god has changed at all since that time or anything to say to well i would say my my view is always changing because on my my position is more um, not to start with uh, like like some kind of fixed vision or whatever, where I've decided, okay, this is what we're what we're talking about, and I know it, and I'm I, and I have some kind of firm knowledge, but rather to have it be more like philosophy or science, which mm-hmm. are both inventions of Christianity. What about music and, and how we, we or music, in other words? But as we are constantly uh, like learning more and, and, and experiencing more about life. And as we are understanding more and just um, how our society, our community, humanity works. And, uh, and as we are looking for meaning and as we are 
um, deciding between whether we think we can actually say, think let's say that some things are actually good and I support some things and I have some kind of a reason for why I would think some things are good and some things are bad. Is there, is, 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 is everything meaningless? Is nothing, is there, isn't, is there nothing? And so in other words, I don't actually, I, I reject uh, nihilism. And so, and so having made it must, that- could, Because it's exhausting? Nothing changes. Yeah, because I think it doesn't have, I think it's meaningless. Uh-huh. Are we gonna split hairs here? No. no. Am I wrong? I'm sorry, that was, that was a reference to the Big Lebowski. They Am were I? nihilists, man. Huh? They kept saying they believed in nothing. He's a nihilist? Oh, that must be exhausting. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, say what you want about the tenets of National Socialism, dude. At least it's an ethos. You know, say what you will about uh, uh, National Socialism, at least it's an ethos. No, it's never thought about it. <laughs> <laughs> Now I remember the quote, I'm sorry. <laughs> so, 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 yeah, but in other words, I think that you have to actually, um, I think you actually have to make a, a positive, uh, uh, you know, a leap of faith or philosophical statement to in order to say that you believe that not, there is no meaning because I think you have to actually, now you're asserting something. And so in other words, in order to positively state that you uh, are a nihilist, you have to have actually now made a leap of faith that you think that nothing is the, is the, is true or real or, or have any meaning. Uh, and in the same way, and I think that that is similar to uh, saying something like that absolutely everything is relative and everything is meaningless because, and then again, you have to have made that leap to say that everything is relative. And so, and so if you're going to make a, uh, a leap like that, I prefer to uh, do a little bit of inward introspection and say, how do, um, how do I actually value things? How do, what do I think about how society? I'm, 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 I think I'm, I'm kind of, I can get very uh, agitated and upset about society going in wrong ways and right ways where yeah. um, I'm a little bit. I mean, it's probably a controversial thing to say right now, but I'm, I'm pretty, uh, I'm pretty against anti-vaxxers right now, you know, <laughs> but, yeah. you know which I, I just think is, is just a, bit, a, a position of ignorance. But anyway, what is my basis for, you know, uh, for thinking that, uh, that there is good and, you know, and, and something that's better and, and or, or worse. And so, uh, so I look inward and I, and I see, um, things that I value, things that I'm finding good, whether or not, uh, and then are they, are they arbitrary feelings that I, that I have have from my uh, nostalgia or childhood or, or am I actually, or is there something that where we can say we believe in, let's say fundamental human rights, that there are certain things that are fundamental that you have rights about. If you, if you actually, if you assert that, if you think that, you're saying you're not a relativist, you're not a nihilist, you actually are believing in meaning. And that's what I talk about as like this first step towards, you know, understanding what we're talking about when, when we, when we think that there's something that we value, when we think that there's something that is good, and we have to have some sort of basis for how we're talking about it. And, uh, and, and traditionally, in the Western tradition, uh, you know, when we get to that place, then, then like Aquinas will say, and and everyone and everyone says that's what we mean when we say God, <laughs> and so and so it is not uh, what Mormons say when they're talking about a very specific physical limited being, Superman like character, or when fundamentalist Christians who also don't. Any, it, it, uh, so for me, the the issue is is not whether lots and lots of Christians believe in in something which is actually uh, Christian theologians would call heresy. I mean, because that, because that would be similar to, 
saying that evolution is false because all of the people who believe in evolution, a huge number of them will say that the reason why birds evolved to have wings is so they could fly. That's not how evolution works. That's heresy. <laughs> but they'll still say it. It's just because just because all the people in the pews think that, that doesn't mean that evolution is false. It means that they don't know what they're talking about. And what, why did thing. why did birds evolve wings? <laughs> so evolution doesn't work that way. <laughs> so in other words, what happens? There's is, not a why, and there's not <laughs> a guidance. So, there's not it. a why. So, so diff. What happens is is that it is that creatures let's say have um an adaptive uh uh uh, thing that makes them more successful so which might be their limbs have feathers and that allows them to jump and so they're jumping better and they're getting away from predators as a result of that that doesn't mean they have wings that are so that they can fly what happens is is though that that adaptive strategy then gets them to jump further and further until suddenly you know at a certain point that what they're actually doing is gliding and so on and so forth until until then they are kind of gliding and so their gliding becomes better yeah. and then the ones that are better survive and so it doesn't that you 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 would Anyway, I'm just trying to explain this, but I, I would, I'll tell you that the that 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 everybody in the, and their mother, if you were to if you're going to ask 80 percent of people who believe in evolution to explain it, they would say it the opposite way because they they just say well, evolution's plan was, you know that with you know in order to have this and that happen and they have it exactly they don't understand the principle of it because it's complicated. Yeah, so so you're saying they didn't they didn't have the endpoint in mind and that was the direction that evolution took. It's that. With all evolution of these different... is not thinking of a plan right right yeah evolution is the process of adaption and mutation right. and right. the survival and long, of the fittest of those yeah and long and long, long periods of and time it works over yeah, yeah over a huge amount of time yeah yeah and, so and, for example and, they, they will call punctuated uh evolution is like really fast and that's like over forty thousand years yeah <laughs> right exactly that, to, to give you a scale of like what time frames we're, we're dealing with I mean, humans came out of Africa 40,000 years ago for the first time, you know, so that's a long time, especially, you know, when we put it to the scale of our 70 year pitiful short lives. Yeah. Sorry, not pitiful with full meaning. (laughs) (laughs) It can still be pitiful. It can just be. When I say, when I say pitiful, when I say, when I say pitiful, it's like we we're so humans by nature are so egocentric. They think that everything, like they don't they don't even like most humans don't even like to be called apes. You're a fucking ape. You're one of the great <laughs> apes. You're an animal. We're not. When you talk about animals, we're part of the animal kingdom. You know, and right. but people put themselves on a pedestal. Right. It's just human nature. That was a pointless rant that went down a dead end. <laughs> well, anyway, that, all I was saying on that is that I, I have that same understanding, I think, of, of scale when I would be talking about the divine, when I'm talking about God, when I'm talking about this universe, which is to say that we're not talking about something that um, is remotely what people envision when they're in Mormon church because it's explicitly taught in a very limited physical way and all that kind of thing and uh, you know what were they talking about and then also um um even let's say the vast majority of christians because again we're like randy says we're only whatever this percentage away from apes and so a lot of people don't have the don't know what they're talking about <laughs> so, 
but that doesn't make again that's a fallacy to to imagine just because everybody who believes in evolution or whatever uh doesn't understand how, how it works it doesn't mean that evolution isn't isn't the case isn't it isn't the uh the process by which the best theory and or there's understanding that is as to where we understand how this is all functioning uh that doesn't mean that it's not uh, a robust theory that is actually the way things are working because it's been, you know, shown and, and demonstrated in all these different ways. It just means, and it's, it's not just an idea that you can say, well, I got a different idea, <laughs> you know, which is, <laughs> you know, which I've cobbled together on the back of a napkin here. No, <laughs> you know, that's not yeah. well, I mean, There's so much evidence, convergent evidence. From that's right. Er all kinds of different fields. Everything. So, uh, and all, like every, Everything that we found in biological sciences, in paleontology, in archaeology, everything we found um, has pointed to the truth of of, uh, of evolution by natural selection. Uh, like everything. Yeah, and so and so and so and so for me here, what the this question about uh, uh, theism and atheism for me, I know that I'm I'm personally moving the goalposts very substantially over what the regular enlightenment conception of this was when everyone became radical materialists and they defined God in this very limited way. And they were started down that particular path. But for me, I really am going back to Plato and Socrates. And also now where we are back to that in this present day time period with postmodernism, which is this uh, debate over whether or not there is any meaning at all, or we can say that there is meaning or value and, or whether everything is just utter, utterly meaningless. And so, and so, and so I actually, so I don't think that most atheists are actually asserting nihilism, um, but I, I think that actually since nihilism is the thing that is right where we're at uh, in, you know, where, where everybody is sort of, you know, that's the cusp of it. I, I feel like that that's actually where the, where the fight is and that we need, don't need to be worrying about um, anyway, this enlightenment era stuff. <laughs> tell, tell, tell me more about meaning and like, the creation of meaning like wh what is mean it sounds like you reject the idea that there's no meaning in the world so what what does meaning mean to you where does it come from where does it exist where would you find meaning if you're going out to explore and do an easter egg hunt looking for meaning right so um so so there's a bunch of different ways but one of the so one of the ways that we talk about this is like like i say like kind of an inward path of introspection and so even um, I think people who philosophically or as a college student and when you've uh, smoked a lot of pot and are, and are realizing nothing has any meaning or whatever it is. But anyway, people who have made this philosophical um, claim and maybe are very uh, committed to it, I think that they don't actually operate that way um, because I think that they actually operate according to a whole bunch of set of values um, and so I think that one of the things that, uh, that we have that uh, is, is, is this level of reason and our ability to actually uh, look at what, what we actually do and, and say, logically, if you actually, um, if that was actually was your value, in other words, if you really asserted that and you really believe that and, and that, would you actually operate this way? Would you do all these things for loved ones or whatever other things that you're doing that are ex expressing values to you. And so I think that that's a, 
kind of an inward pathway of looking at that. But another way then is to um, engage in the millennia long dialogue of civilization, which you know, we're talking about evolution, but one of the things that um, biological evolution takes crazy forever, but, uh, but cultural evolution has, has uh, gone you know, at, a, at breakneck speed. So I mean, I think it's, it's uh, inarguable, for example, that um, like the information and cultural technological revolutions that have been present in the last couple hundred years or whatever have radically changed how uh, things are even functioning on this planet uh, because of the breakneck speed of what cultural evolution does. And so engaging in that uh, dialogue about meaning as we've, uh, as in the humanities, as people have, uh, have, have thought about it and, and, and shared ideas about it, I think that that's one of the ways we've done. All right, the answer I was looking for is that meaning is created within the minds of humans. Well, that's a one way to look at it, certainly. So, you know, I mean, <laughs> you, there is like, like uh, existentialism or something like that, right? In other words, so there's, you know, so in other words, you can assert meaning. And so, and so that maybe that's the place where, um, uh, you know, like where, where you're finding where it happens. And so in other words, the fact that I am either asserting it or the fact that I am actually doing things or I, the fact that I actually, uh, I, I actually um, value that thing, that may be itself be what's creating um, meaning or meaning in your life or in your community and things like that. So that I'm saying that in a lot of these cases, this is our open philosophical questions. And I'm not actually unlike, um, you know, so, so that I didn't actually pin myself down to one particular place so that Randy could swat me with his anvil. I know, but <laughs> or, that's no know, fun when you're whatever. dodging around you know and Randy mean? can't, Randy but can't take But what I'm saying is, is that there are multiple different ways that people can can find this kind of meaning and assert this kind of meaning. In other words, this is a this has been a dialogue. It's not like there's a, a throughout time. It's not that been that we that we have this absolute that works. Because so, yeah. the dialogue's been going on for thousands of years. Yeah. Uh, what is the the name of the philosophy where they uh, the, the position position they take is that uh, it would have been better if humans were never born um, <laughs> because the net suffering of a human life outweighs any of the good that comes from their life. Do you know that philosophy? It's like a, it's like pessimism. I uh, would yeah, think. bummerism. <laughs> <laughs> it's not pessimism. It's but it's it's like a the, it's like a yeah. Latin word for uh, we shouldn't have been born. Yeah, it's a Latin thing. word for Debbie Downer. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. <laughs> yeah well i mean I, I i so anyway that's a position you made because that that uh you know, so i mean the first noble truth of the buddha is life is suffering right and so uh and so if life is suffering and we're only causing all the suffering and we're not actually if we are putting on the scales and we think that the suffering is just so much worse and maybe even uh it has been uh, throughout time then that would be you know that would be an argument that you can make yeah. I mean, uh, I listened to a guy for an hour and a half, give his position um, with, you know, mild challenges from the interviewers a long time ago. It was like three, four years ago. His arguments were compelling, but the, he, he didn't get me in the end um, that uh, they would have been better off if humans were never, never came into existence. Because one I mean, of the I mean, things I, he I says is that, well, one, one of the things he says is because we're like the only animals that can abstractly imagine our own death and know we're going to die, that that alone is enough to be too much suffering for the whole enterprise. <laughs> so. But I feel like not everybody, oh, anyway, I guess it depends on how you're even going to measure it though, then, because then you're going to say in, in, 
uh, the majority of people or whatever it is. In other words, is, are the majority of people suffering so much that they're, they would, you know, the, in other words, that they, as opposed to getting joy, uh, that you would, you weigh it and say, okay, well, it was more suffering than joy. So it was, a, it was a mistake internally or something like that. Cause I, um, I don't know. Cause I kind of feel like that, uh, I mean, certainly I, it's hard, it's hard to say because I'm a, I am in a position of privilege, right? So we're, we're, uh, white men in rich place and, and had all the, all these opportunities. And, and so my life is really great and I enjoy, <laughs> enjoy it really well, but I, I kind of feel like, you know, in terms of, it's just, if you're sitting around worrying about fearing death, I think that's a kind of a pri- place of privilege usually too. Uh, I don't think that that's everybody's, I mean, I know a lot of people are worried about death, but a lot of people aren't as worried about it as maybe that one guy who made up this idea. You know, and so, I mean, certainly Socrates wasn't worried about death, and I'm not worried about death, and I don't know. So I think a lot of, I don't know that everybody's as worried about it as that. Well, we had a conversation a few years back, John, because um, I was like feeling really bombed. Um, and I told you, like, you know, I had this, like, idealized dream when I left the church that I'm going to live this, this life where I'm going to, you know, help people in developing countries, uh, mm. dig wells yeah. and get mosquito nets. And I haven't done any of that shit and <laughs> don't see myself doing it anytime soon. And I was just feeling really <laughs> shitty about my, my existence. And you're like, you can't, you can't do the math like that. Like, okay. Yeah. I saved before I died, I saved 3000 lives from malaria. Yeah. Or, or dying of thirst or dying a horrible death uh, from not drinking potable water uh, or yeah. pot- potable water. Sorry. Um, and you're like, what if you saved one of those kids in Africa and he turned out to be a horrible drug lord and he ended up <laughs> killing a hundred thousand people in this country? Is it, you can't do the, you can't. Do, and I shared that with somebody else and they thought, they thought you were a nihilist. I'm like, Oh my God, I did not tell the story. Right. <laughs> <laughs> So maybe, do you remember that conversation yeah, at yeah. all? Uh, yeah, I do. Um, I guess what I, I guess what I'm trying to say is that you can't, you can't beat yourself up because that that was. So yeah, okay. So on one on the one hand, when you decide you value something, and if you really do value that, and you think that that's what you would like to do, and and it, so it depends on if you're just saying I would really like to do that because that that's what you thought was good, or in other words, that's a nominal level of of belief or thing that you're saying as opposed to like a core belief. And so if you have, if you have that as like a thing you think because uh, society or people think you're acting good by doing that in a way, it's not worth doing in that, in that sense, because it's not one of you, it wouldn't have been a core value that you actually were um, getting actual driving actual meaning from. Right. I mean, it might, it might help people in all kinds of good ways, but I don't think that that's what I was kind of think trying to convey is that, why beat yourself up about something that uh, I don't know? You you didn't decide to uh, become a I don't know you know a, a pandemicist and, and cure COVID before it happened or something like that. Whatever whatever you know you just because you you you've done you know what was open to you and 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 uh, if you and and hopefully also in loving your family and taking care of your family and doing the, the good that you're doing, you are, those are the things that you valued and you want to do. I'm not saying that nobody should be driven, but you should, if you were driven to really do it and you're compelled and you feel called to do that, then that would be a fantastic thing to do, but you shouldn't do it just because you think it's a great thing to do. Okay. Like it has, it it should, it should come from a place of authenticity 
of right. this is what you really that. want, not because you're like, oh, I'm, I'm, I got a score sheet here of my life. <laughs> yeah, so I totally, I mean, I loved the show, uh, 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 you know, The Good Place, right? But I think that they really showed, you know, the, the, the flaw of this thinking that every single thing, so the idea of the premise of the show was that you, you know, that all of life is, is tabulated and every good act you get certain points and every bad act you get certain points. And then you go to a good place or the bad place based on that, which is a lot of times the way Christians think that they're doing with Christianity. Mormons maybe think that that's how you do it, although they also have uh, handshakes to get there, <laughs> you know, but anyway, you know, the code words and that kind of thing. But, but, but that's absolutely heresy in terms of Christianity because Christianity is not that you don't get rewarded for doing good acts. That's not, that's because if you did, you're like they even say in the good place, your motivation would be tainted. So it's not because you could be, you could be a person who absolutely, you know, uh, hated all the things that you were doing and you could be doing it just, you know, like with a fake smile on your face and things like that, knowing you're getting the points, uh, you know, and, 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 and you're, you're just functionally a mercenary. And, and so, and so that's not how, that's not how it works. <laughs> you know, so I, that's, that's a tainted motivation. <laughs> so. Wasn't there like a friends episode of like, it's not a, not a great intellectual show, but there was this one episode where Phoebe, challenged uh ross about the... evolution no no no. it was uh she <laughs> challenged that, that there's no such thing as an unselfish act because even if you do a kind act yeah. you're doing it because it makes you feel good yeah. and whoever it was i think it might have been chandler you know spent the whole rest of the episode trying to do something or maybe it was ross trying to do something that was 100 percent selfless and i can't remember how it ended yeah yeah but uh but yeah like uh yeah, your, yeah, motiv- so your motivation and a- what you're doing is, is is pretty key, yeah. So I think that's a limit of, of, of utilitarianism in philosophy, right? Which is to say, if, you, if every single thing that you're doing, is, you can't have a selfless act if you're a utilitarian, right? Because, because it's all about that. But I, I, I don't know. I guess I kind of feel like if you... I think it is possible that if you really, I think that people are, maybe, I don't know, that you're, it's something that they value. I, I appreciate the argument of the utilitarians here. <laughs> but I, on the other hand, I think <laughs> that the more you are actually um, aligning towards the, this thing that you love for, you would, I would really love to, you know, help and fix society. And I, and I, I'm really motivated to doing it. And maybe it's because, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know how, in, in some sense, there has to be a lot of more lines drawn, like uh, how, uh, how gravity works in order to show force at a distance. But anyway, to, in order to explain it to me exactly how that is entirely a selfish act, but I kind of feel like um, I'm, I'm motivated in a, in a very non, uh, in, in certainly a, in, in, if you were just going back to the evolution argument in terms of like, uh, what my genes maybe want me to do or something like that. I, I've got a, a pretty out there thing, especially considering I'm not propagating my genes. You, know? so. <laughs> you don't, you definitely don't derive meaning from, uh, from uh, spreading your seed to, <laughs> That's right. to future, to <laughs> the, uh, you know, second and third and fourth and fifth generations. Right. Did, did you say that you have a pretty out there theory about your genes? No, no, I would say, I would say it would have to be, you would have to get a, you would have to explain this to me how, uh, how all, you know, this desire that I, I kind of am very motivated. I, I, I get really upset about um, what I kind of feel like as societal wrong turns. And, and also I'm very motivated towards 
making as many incremental, incremental systemic fixes that we can so that we have more and more justice in our society. And like I'm, what I'm saying is for the person to explain to me exactly how that is like just me being motivated by my genes or something like that is, you know, and in, in self-interest, the utilitarian, I, I feel like, eh, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm getting a chemical excitement from that, but I can also drink. So you're, you're know, talking you know, about the, the, like your motivation for why motivation. Yeah. To, is it, is it to, possible? Like is Ross, right. You know, or, or, or Chandler or whatever. Is Chandler right that you can actually have a selfless act or is the thing tainted because he, he got, he felt good because he did something good. So. Yeah. You're so not into, good. you're not into finding meaning spreading your genes. No, you're, you're into finding meaning spreading your memes. <laughs> right. That's true. <laughs> but I, I am a believer, like I said, in, in uh, cultural evolution as being much more important than genetic. So. Yeah. yeah. When you really think about it, like when, it, when you get into like genealogy and you start looking up, like, I don't know, when you get past uh, two generations away from you, yeah, there's, there's no emotional feeling there. You don't yeah. know those people. They don't know you. Yeah. They didn't even think yeah. about you their entire lives. Yeah. So... <laughs> I don't know. It seems like a pretty hollow way to find meaning is, is, is having as many progeny as possible. Yep. Absolutely. It's, it's the same as uh, the Ozymandias poem, right? So look on my works, ye mighty in despair. So, uh, you know, if you, if you, even if you built the pyramid, that's still there and you're, you, that's pretty much the most successful <laughs> anything anybody did from five, whatever, 4,000 years ago, whatever long it was, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, cause everything else is gone. But, uh, but how big a deal was that even? So in other words, that, that in the same thing, like you say, it takes three, I mean, people, how many people know their names of all their great grandparents, even I, I, I do, but I'm in a Mormon. So, you know, you know, I know, I know my great, great grandparents or whatever, but you know, but most people don't. Right. And so how connected are you to them? Yeah. You got anything, Glenn? You're smiling a lot. No, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just enjoying watching where it's going. It's just very nostalgic for me. I don't, I don't really know. I don't really know where to go with the conversation. What, what I wanted to ask you earlier. Oh, actually. Oh, yeah, uh, go ahead. Yeah, no, you let take me, it. Let me just interject something. Like, because uh, I listened twice to John on the other John's show, Mormon yeah. Stories. Yeah. And uh, it was it was hilarious how how many times he would explain things and people just still weren't getting it and asking questions he'd already answered two three four times <laughs> and fi finally because everyone was like me seven years ago trying to pin his god down like and it felt like trying to nail jello to the wall or trying to catch uh, smoke in your hand and uh, and finally I think what you said John that maybe like actually maybe guffaw is like okay I just need people to stop thinking in terms of believe in <laughs> it's not about me believing in this or believing in that you know because like they were yeah. trying to say well do you believe joseph smith is a prophet it's of course you don't believe joseph smith is a prophet of god but you should have got that 40 minutes ago we but... have a different definition of what that is i certainly don't believe that the thing that you think of what a prophet is exists that's what i would say so yeah. in other words, the thing that, that you are defining as a prophet or the thing that you are defining as God, I don't believe that those exist. But that's that's not a it's not really a belief. That's a conclusion. I, I you know, and so in that based on 
history, <laughs> based on theology, based on philosophy. In other words, based on everything. In other words, we know, based on science. You know, so so uh, and so. I don't think so. I, I feel like that that believing in thing that they just go down that path of it was just like do you? It's like do you believe in evolution? That is not. It's it's not relevant in a way. It is relevant if you in a way in, in terms of uh, in terms of whether you're part of the conversation. <laughs> but evolution is not about believing it. Evolution no. is the process. That's what happens. You know? <laughs> so, and in the sense, it doesn't matter if orangutans don't believe in it. It doesn't matter if you don't believe in it. <laughs> so that's not, it's not about believing it. <laughs> so. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's. To you, it's not about um, believing in th anything specific. That's why, like, when Glenn, you're like, well, wh where do you stand now with God? It's like, well, <clears throat> uh, I really don't care for the most part because I live my life as if there is no God. I live my life for the love of my family and spending time with my kids when I can and love of extended family and trying to be a positive person in my work environment since I'm the boss. Um, and, and so like not one point any, in any day, do I think of like, I wonder what God thinks of this or what that, like, I think most, I think a lot of people, a lot more people than would admit, like to admit it, live their life as if there is no God, even if they are asked the question, do you believe in God? Sure. I believe in, in God, but most people are not, I keep saying most people, but I just think a lot of people, a lot more people than like to admit it. Uh, live their life as if there is no God. So I don't really care about the existence of God. I think John uh, Larson once called it apathyism. Um, I just don't care, but uh, I definitely um, believe that people can make meaning in their lives and, and that there are, there is a great conversation that's been going on for a couple thousand years about how to live the good life. Um, and, you know, philosophy on, on how, you know, society should function and, um, you know, maybe we shouldn't marginalize, uh, you know, uh, small groups and make unnecessary suffering and things like that. I think somebody's a nihilist until somebody just from the street punches them in the face for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> like, wait a minute, that hurt. That's not fair. <laughs> I didn't deserve that. What? You're nihilist because it makes me think of that scene where he's like, at the end, the nihilist says to um, to John Goodman's character, "Well, that's not fair. If I don't get my money." He's like, "That's not fair. You're a fucking nihilist." <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, I I just don't think about the idea of God anymore at all. <clears throat> unless um, I hear somebody saying, my God says gays are terrible and need to be punished or <clears throat> women should go to jail if they get an abortion. Cause my God says so. That's like, I know <laughs> what you're saying is, is shitty and full of shit. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know where to go from here. As far as my position, it's, there's, there's really not much to say. Um, I, th I think that John's ideas are great. Like just learn from all the best thinking that's, that's been out there and, uh, and, and live, try your best to live the good life uh, because you want to have a good life. Here, here's the question that I'm most interested in hearing both of you talk about. D do you think that nature is intelligent? 
what does that mean? Is nature intelligent? Is is there intelligent processes within nature? Are are there is there intelligence within nature? Do, do you think that intelli- that nature is intelligent or unintelligent? Um, I don't know how else to say it. Because I think that's I think that you know we we had the conversation earlier about birds evolving wings to fly, you know, like and and so you might imply from that that oh well there's this um oh, what, what what's it called what's that Ben Stein movie about um, divine intelligence no it's not divine intelligence what is it oh I intelligent know what you're design talking about. intelligent yeah. design as if you've got like a certain end. And then you just design everything to get to that end. Like that's one way of thinking about intelligence in nature. But I don't think, you know, because what we were talking about was, I think, intelligence where there is this genetic memory of whatever that evolved feature is that's then passed on through the genes to another uh, generation. So I think that nature is highly intelligent, far more intelligent than what we typically think of as human cognition or human intelligence. That's just one feature and one outgrowth of the intelligence of nature. But I, I think that people have a hard time even thinking about that question, is nature intelligence? Because it gets so tied up into anthropomorphism. So I'm, I'm curious for both of you guys, what do you think about um, nature being intelligent? Is that something you even think about? Is it even important to you? Well, if you watch any nature videos, which I watch a lot of, you are exposed to a lot of like really ingenious ways of survival by many men. Go for it, man. Can't touch this. Go for it, man. Can't touch this. We'll have to restart that. Maybe. <laughs> we'll see when it comes back. Okay. Randy, you got you 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 froze. Yeah, so start start by talking start about with, the nature video. We watch nature, uh, nature sure. yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, there, there's all kinds of these amazing adaptive behaviors uh, that, uh, like, you would, it, and it's really hard for the narrator to not use things like this ingenious uh, tactic to, you know, uh, right. protect the babies from the, you know, the like for example, cheetah babies. Uh, evolved to look like honey badgers because nobody wants to fuck with a honey badger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, but even 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 with that adaptive quality uh, of, of cheetah babies looking like honey badgers because they have like a skunk stripe on the back, um, <clears throat> only 16% of cheetah babies make it to adolescence. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it's ingenious, uh, this, this adaptation. That's not even behavior because that's just like they're just born that way. But there are like behaviors... Um, of certain animals that seem really intelligent and really in, um, like it's just hard it's hard not to as, as a human to narrate something like that like uh, like it's a, a predict like some kind of strategy beforehand instead right. of just something right. that evolved and worked so uh, like for instance I will I have a lot more empathy for the idea of intelligent design than I do about like young earth creationism Cause at least you, there's room. Cause I used to be an intelligent designer <laughs> when I was Mormon. Uh, I accepted evolution as true uh, in large part because BYU professors told me it was. Yeah. And, uh, and I had to kind of work uh, intelligent design. That's a very um, intuitive way of thinking of nature as intelligent and thinking beforehand. 
but in the end, like 99% of all the species that have ever lived went extinct. <laughs> so right. there's a lot of failure built on top of that. If, if this was intelligence, I'm not impressed. Really? Okay. I think that is fascinating. So, so because a species goes extinct, that, that means that it wasn't intelligent enough. It well, no, it, it could have been the, the, the species wasn't intelligent enough been... to avoid extinction. So it, overall, it was kind of a failure. No, it, that could be bad luck. But I'm just saying, if if this was all designed, and this is the way, this designer, like, like all the suffering that has to happen for that one percent to make it through, mm. um, that's that's not very good designing. Well. Yeah, unless unless but, I mean, but, I but again, we're thinking look, of like a single designer that has a certain ends in me, and that's what you're talking about, like a certain end point that they're working towards and designing towards. That's what you're well, rejecting. That's what it, well, that's what intelligent design is. Right, is, right. Yeah, that idea that there's is, a designer and that's God. Yeah. As 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 opposed to just nature is intelligence that remembers what it's designing itself. It's all of these self-realizing intelligent agents. Just do, a lot. There's a the lot same? of. There's a lot of chaos. Yeah, yeah, a yeah, ton yeah. of chaos built into the system. Yeah, and uh, you know, and we're the winners at the end of the line at this, at this point. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm not saying <laughs> yeah. I have no, I, I have no uh, <laughs> illusions that we're gonna that humans are gonna live forever <laughs> based on the last five years. Our stupidity is what's gonna kill us. Yeah. What were you gonna say, John? Oh, well, well, one, I was not going to, uh, not going to, I'm not speaking in, port, in support of intelligent design theorists, yeah. <laughs> but, but I, what, I, what I was going to say is that I do think that, that in part, you know, again, with this, um, uh, this, this criteria of judging success or failure, I, I'm not entirely, you know, I think, I, I do think that our, that we have this kind of a Judeo-Christian image, mm -hmm. idea of lineal, lineal time and beginning and end. And, and at a certain point, just because something uh, thrived and then is no more, that that was somehow a failure. And I don't, and I think that that's a, a misunderstanding, I think of life cycle and, uh, and, and, and so just, so I think that there could have been um, a very thriving species that doesn't exist anymore that had an amazing existence without it being a failure, even though it doesn't exist anymore. Um, and and on, on the one, that's my one reaction to that idea and then to the your idea glenn i i think that um uh that there have been a bunch of thinkers like spinoza for whom um uh that's what they that's what spinoza says god is right and so in other words that that because that's where spinoza is finding meaning in all of this uh amazing chaos and majesty or and all of the whatever of nature and uh, and so he'll say nature uh, or rather god you know um but i would also but for me, that isn't that isn't the thing that I, I'm kind of actually focused on. So for me myself, what uh, what I kind of get motivated by is the not the material, but rather the the world, the the idea of ideas. And so I'm I'm definitely kind of like anyway when I'm focused on I'm focused on God as meaning, and so uh, and God as ideas. In other words, the mathematicals or things and all those kind of ideas, as opposed to. But I appreciate all of the lived physical existence, and I think. But but whether I, I'm not immediately drawn to uh, uh, the intelligence of nature or a, a pantheism or a world being or something like that. But I mean, I, I'm not I'm not telling people that they can't think that's a great 
know, either, you know, so in other words, that might be motivating to all kinds of people. So. Yeah. I mean, and, and just, just to be clear, I, I do appreciate that there are, were species out there that roam the earth for uh, hundreds of millions of years, maybe a hundred million years and then went extinct. And we've only been around for like in our current form for 200,000 years. Right. So, um, uh, we just happen to be around talking about it now. Uh, but there's been plenty of species that survive. So I, I, I guess I don't call that a failure of the species. I call it like, if you're saying that this is the method and 99% of, uh, of his, of, of this designers, I mean, there's so much suffering in nature, like really yeah. abject suffering. Um, you know, having eggs injected into you while you've been anesthetized and then you're sent on your way to be eaten in, eaten from the inside out. I mean, there's just yeah. so much carnage and suffering in nature that if this is all part of a design, then like you need to give me more than that. In, in order, need to give you more than that for what? Uh, to try to convince me that this, I mean, you got to tell me, you got to explain that. Wait, well, the in order to well at least if you're saying that god is good right or if you're and saying the, that there the, is a designer that is designing yeah, the designer, for a plan. there's a designer that is good so the objection there is uh, is that if the if there's a designer and the designer is good why is there so much suffering right? yeah i suppose uh, i you know obviously can't uh, argue against a god of evil <laughs> that really enjoys the suffering well i i, I want to go what did you say is the did you say 200 million years for man what what is how long have homo sapiens been in this current form what did you say 200,000 uh, years somewhere between 150 200,000 years in our okay. current form and, and and homo sapiens were made up of uh, trillions of eukaryotic cells and and those eukaryotic cells have been evolving into what becomes a homo sapien for much longer than 200,000 years yeah yeah the last you know the, the last living cousin we have um it was chimpanzees and yeah. our common ancestor was six million years ago right and and how much genetic similarities do we share with That's all like, of these other species and genuses you know and you're like can go back to this we, we share we share D, uh, similar dna uh, with carrots so yeah. but we don't uh, think of our like like i i think of myself as a single human being i don't think of myself as a collective of trillions of eukaryotic cells that are all working together in concert to give me this sensation of being a single human being okay so what if uh the if star trek was reality and you went into a transporter and every single cell in your body every atom in your body right was copied and then re uh, constituted at the other site is that you so so by the way in star trek it is know. because star trek believes in <laughs> souls i don't i don't I mean but which is not actually a scientific thing you brought so up star I, I, trek so, john's not going to shut up now no, but <laughs> say, so the, what, the reason why it works in star trek is that it, star trek literally believes in souls mm. You know, and so, and that, which is why all kinds of souls, your soul can get put in somebody else in Star Trek and something, somebody else's soul can get put in you and take you over your brain or whatever. You know, that happens all the time in Star Trek. So, so the reason why it works is that they literally, you know, like they destroyed Captain Picard's body, but his soul is floating around in space using the transporter and they get it back or whatever. But, 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 um, but unfortunately, what I would say in terms of the, their idea of Star Trek and souls, it's actually kind of close to the Mormon idea of souls, which is to say that it's an actual like finer form of matter or something like that. Um, and that is not the case. And so in, in actual science, it's not you. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> you know, but but on the other hand, but on the other hand, you are not you. So so for Glenn's point, you know, on the one hand, he's like he's he's identifying himself despite the fact that he's this uh, uh, organism that is composed of all kinds of different individual organisms that are eventually going back in ancestrally to individual beings that are now in a composite. Yeah. But he's also you're also uh, second to second to second experiencing total you know actual discontinuity, so that you, right. Glenn are not the same Glenn as the Glenn that we talked to five years ago. And you're not the yeah. same Glenn as Glenn, the kid, even though you, you yourself kind of remember the continuity of it. And so there yeah. is an actually active um, philosophical, uh, um, you know, like question about like that kind of identity stuff. And, and even the transporter question, which is to say that um, if you cease to exist, if they, the transporter actually disintegrates you and creates another you on the other, other other one, there is a continuity in a sense because there is no more of the other one. But if it duplicates you and it's a duplicator, then obviously the duplicate is not you because what you end up looking at is that the, uh, you know, anyway, is the, uh, what's the closest thing? And so that's a real big question. What happens if you, what happens if you um, have a horrible brain hemorrhage tomorrow and you, um, lose half your memories and kept cognitive capacities and all those kind of things. Are you still you, you know, you know, in other words, there's a, or to what extent are you, because you, you know, in other words, what extent are you, your memories and everything you are and what is, what's the continuity? There's all those questions are all very open. Philosophically. Yeah. And what is memory? You know, would, would the transporter be able to replicate me identically where what, whatever all my memories are, however they're stored as neural pathways, whatever they are. Well, if it, let's say it that's can. all being regenerated as it well. It says they can. If you say you can, at the minimum, it's making duplicates of you. But yeah, to what and then if you've got duplicates, duplicate, like multiplicity, you, not you, because you would remember it. <laughs> yeah, but, you. but but you're but it's like it's like in Loki, you're starting a new branch, a new timeline, and you're a, you're a variant. <laughs> And and you've got a well, new variant. Uh, I'm in identity. favor of the. I'm in favor of the <laughs> of the sacred timeline. Just prune it, baby. Prune it. <laughs> I love that show. So so, you know, with with the eukaryotic eukaryotic cells, the reason that I brought that up is because they've been evolving for a lot longer, and they've got this intelligence that is stored within the nucleus of every cell that we inherit, and it's informing us and in what we're doing, and and then when you talk about atoms the atoms inside of those cells, they're blinking on and off every millionth of a second. They're here, they're gone. They're here, they're gone. They're here, they're gone. That's how, so like the Star Trek transporter thing, it's almost happening just normally just well, sitting here. How many slower. times have we blinked on and off and we're not even aware of it? <laughs> <laughs> and I haven't smoked any pot yet. Yet. <laughs> <laughs> but but the, the reason this stuff is so interesting to me is is I, I don't usually think about this sea of incredible intelligence that I'm riding upon every single day that like my body, the cells in my body that know what they're doing, my brain that knows how to regulate things in my body. I don't know how to do that. I'm not telling it to balance my endocrine system and, you know, things like I, I have no idea, but this intelligence is going on. And, and I think that the idea of God that, that most people have and, and have had throughout the years is a way of trying to relate to our own nervous systems that there there's stuff that's going on inside of me that I can't explain. I don't know, but I know that it's happening. And so to think about that as God, I think people have used symbols as a way to try to represent that. But I, I kind of think that that inner 
intelligence within the central nerve, like I'm just talking scientific stuff here, guys. <laughs> it is the what people usually have been searching for when they're talking about God and trying to understand something that they can't understand. That that's that's the closest that I've come to it. So for me to try to better understand myself, my I, like, there's so much that I just will never understand about my own mind and unconsciously what I'm carrying around with me. But to me, that's where the search for God takes me in there. Well, and for, for me, what I think is that we made a big wrong turn in the 18th century when people decided that we that they had this very fixed idea about what God was and everything like that, that they knew what God was. And, 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 and the response of intellectuals was, well, then, then we're going to reject your fixed definition, which is, of course, a false definition that they had. And so instead of then continuing to do what we've done throughout all of human history, which is to say, use this institution as our place where we talk about these things uh, and explore these things, uh, and instead people left and they abandoned the institution, they burned it all down and then, and every, and the people that stayed in, uh, unfortunately, uh, is not always the best and the brightest. In a lot of cases, it's people who are, are uh, engaged in fraud and chicanery who want to, who want to manipulate uh, other humans and, and get, uh, get gain. And what we need is to uh, have a place where we can go back and talk about these kind of conversations and where regular people who aren't as privileged as us can, uh, can also engage in that with, because they just want to live a good life, but they don't have the kind of privilege that we have to have been able to have this kind of, uh, you know, to be able to sit back and do all this idly. In other words, they, they, they have to spend their life doing things they got to do and they haven't been able to, uh, uh, spend this kind of leisure time to contemplate this. Yeah, um, I, I'm, I'm harkening back a long time, like a decade ago when I read The Evolution of God by Robert Wright, I think. Oh, yeah, I remember that book. <laughs> and uh, people people forget because of the, you know, uh, the most prominent version of God today is, is kind of like the sky daddy that's involved in your life and cares about you intimately. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's not how God started. <laughs> God was more of like, I don't understand this. Uh, therefore, I'm going to create a God or an ancestor um, that is controlling this or that. But there was no inherent like goodness attributed to to God because I think they lived in a world of suffering and and uh, and certainly were acquainted with it. And didn't, it didn't occur to them that that uh, there would be a God up there trying to make them happy. Um, and then, you know, and then you have, so you, then you go to, you go from ancestry worship to polytheism and paganism and eventually mono, the, the Abrahamic religions won out and like what percentage of the population are in the Abrahamic religions now? Like half of the world population. Right. Yeah. So that's the one that won and it's the sky daddy. It's not the sky daddy. <laughs> The, the no, core, I mean the, the, the current core. One. The core of Christianity, the theology of Christianity, is not Sky Daddy. Sky Daddy is just Zeus, by the way. The entire picture, even the picture that we have, is, is that's just coming from Jupiter. That's not. That's not what it is. What one is Plato, and so the 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 center of of Christian theology and the the part of is that God is good. God is goodness itself. God is meaning itself. God is being itself, and not not the sky daddy the sky daddy is the picture 
that gets associated with that, that people have largely inculcated in a, in a regular, whatever, because they don't understand evolution. They also don't understand what God is. But the, but the, if you, if you actually ask all the theologians, and everything like that, those views are all heresy. Yeah. But um, that, well, what, what, I, what, I, what I'm saying is like the current, like you ask the average Joe on the street, you know, their conception yeah, you of You ask them what evolution is and they explain it to you wrong. And that doesn't mean evolution is <laughs> false. And, and so your argument is that that's a logical fallacy. So it's irrelevant how, yeah, I appreciate that the people don't get it, but we need to explain to them what the truth is, not, you know, rather than just saying there is that, that don't listen to truth. But you, you know what the truth is? That that is not what God is. Okay. The thing that you think is that is just Zeus. <laughs> <laughs> so there, so there or is Elohim. objective truth. There's falseness for sure. <laughs> so there's objective falseness. That's right. Okay. <laughs> so. Yeah, he's not a postmodern. <laughs> I'm not relativist. <laughs> I'm not a relativist. I believe there are fundamental human rights. I think that we can say things are good, and I think that's, and and I think that we can say things that are are, are awful, and 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 without things that are that that can't be justified. Yeah, like honor killings are still yeah. going on. Like honor killings. Like yeah. I said, in the, like I said in my in my sermonette this morning that that Joseph Smith. Uh, uh, abusing his power when he said he'd created a doctrine of sealing of celestial marriages and told my great, 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 great grandparents, I want you to be sealed to me in the eternities. And they responded by giving him their 14 year old daughter in celestial marriages, he was calling it. So yeah, that's a, that's a horrific abuse of power. Like I said today in my sermonettes, you so know, you, and you, so, you, you sermonized. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Cool. No, you made it personal too, because it's uh, yeah, one of your ancestors. Yeah, and they were also they also that was not right right. They were they were pressured, but you know whatever. <laughs> that was also you also you also stand up for your daughter in those circumstances. <laughs> in other words, you don't do that. Is that a value you have? I'm just kidding. Of course, that's a it value. is. Yes. <laughs> but so anyway, I think that's wrong. So anyway, I appreciate that, that that's for some people that there's relativism and that's not wrong. Whatever whatever happens, happens. It's the value of the society at the time, and the value of the society at the time was do whatever Joseph Smith says. And so so that's so that's good. But I don't agree with that, and I also don't agree with that in terms of uh, theologically. So a lot of a lot of theologians, Muslim theologians, will will say God could immediately make evil not evil and not e and good bad because God has is all powerful and has all that kind of will. Whereas I have say that God is good, and so therefore, if God were to, uh, God can't actually do evil, and they say that that's a limitation. God can do everything. No, it's not because uh, because because that's why we um, Randy and I were we were arguing this in that in that argument. He says, "Why do you keep on saying worthy of worship? You know, a God would not be worthy of worship." Uh, you know, and what I'm saying is, is that philosophically, if God is this arbitrary force that could make evil good and evil and so on, then then that then that God would would not be worthy of our being interested in in that God. And so, therefore, even if that God existed, we would reject that God. But what we, we, we can say is that if God is, in fact, goodness uh, as an archetype, then we actually, then what we are saying is, I value goodness. 
I value meaning. I value uh, uh, all those things. And that's what we mean when we say God, even. And in fact, even Aquinas just says that's what he means when he says God. So. Yeah, this, uh, the sky daddy thing within uh, right-wing fundamentalist Christianity is, is a pretty recent thing. I think a lot of people don't realize. And you said that, you said that many times. Yeah. <clears throat> but, Evangelicals uh, well, are heretics, I'll say that. <laughs> is and it? they're also and they're also evil <laughs> so it's, it's doing wrong and their their evangelical churches are net negative just like the mormon church so there's only there's only one group that left in the country that gives a shit about homosexuality and it's the it's the mormons and the right-wing evangelicals right um i had this uh patient who was a uh, who's a uh, What's the Holy Roller religion? Um, Pentecostal. Pentecostals, which, by the way, have been yeah. growing. Mormons wish they grew as much as Pentecostals grew. Pentecostals they... is the fastest growing religion in the world. It's crazy. Yeah. <clears throat> anyway, I was treating the husband. He only spoke Spanish, so I couldn't really talk to him. But the wife spoke English, and she was just relentless, appointment after appointment, trying to convert me to Jesus. And, uh, and I, I finally just told her, look two things you get rid of the idea of hell because nothing anyone can do in this life is worthy of that kind of uh insidious punishment and the second thing would you, if you guys could just leave homosexuals alone and of the lgbtq community alone then I'll, I'll consider listening to your message and she's like yo i have i have really good answers for you uh, i really <laughs> want to talk to you about that um but give me some time and we'll talk about it next time. She didn't show up for the next appointment and uh, never talked about it again. But yeah. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, that, that version of Christianity is the one that I'm most familiar with dealing with in, in public policy and in, in uh, affecting yeah. Yeah. society. And that's, that's the one I rage against. Um, if you if you believe something that's doesn't affect innocent people's lives, then what the fuck do I care? Yeah, but the one, but the one, for example, that ended slavery is like Quakers, right? So, in other words, the 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 in in the marriage equality fight, the fact that there were all of these tinier, but anyway, progressive Christian churches is one of the whole reasons. I can say this as a gay man it, that as we were in the middle of this civil rights fight, the fact that there were uh, that this wasn't a monolith in religion, but that there were the progressive churches that were fighting on behalf of human rights. Uh, they don't get they don't get pressed because everyone it's easy to you know when somebody's saying a crazy Nazi thing it's, it's it makes headlines uh, but when but that was what we allowed us to accomplish it you know so where are you these days Glenn with uh, your God your quantum God I'm guessing well, it was talking about nature yeah, I mean, I, I think God is an is is just an idea that people have as a way to explain the unknown. It's like a, a label or a symbol that people slap on things that they don't understand. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and and it becomes very important, very meaningful to them. So if you want to really get to know somebody who believes in God, ask them what they believe about God, and they'll tell you about themselves. <laughs> exactly god always agrees with them yeah <laughs> amazing how that yeah. works yeah <laughs> that's what i'm talking about when people say they know the mind of god it's like oh 
Yeah. Like, how, how do people not realize how uh, unbelievably arrogant and presumptuous that is that you know the mind of God? Yeah. It wasn't for me. Like, I thought I knew the mind of God. Do, do you, do you even know your own mind. You know, like, no, you, you, you don't. How, how can you know the mind of God when you don't even know your own mind and right. the mind of your dog? You know, <laughs> we just narrate why we did things after the fact. We have yeah. no fucking clue about what, you know, all the things that factored yeah. into your any decision we make at any time. Yeah. Right. Those studies, like you say, that but is there a free will because you can show you can show that the decisions are made before the actual cognitive part of your brain is even aware of them. Yeah. 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 I, I do. I do. So you, you talked about like the quantum thing, you know, like I, I do think that there's consciousness that exists in like at a cellular level. Like I, th I think that a eukaryotic cell has some form of consciousness that is very, very different than human consciousness. But I, I, I think that consciousness exists everywhere and that if there is a, spinoza type god it is the accumulation of all of the conscious intelligent agents that are in existence everywhere that everything is built upon but i that that, that that's like like if you say god is everything then you're not really saying anything i don't know I mean, that that's very similar to stoicism mm. you know so that's actually their that's their cosmology yeah. i think and so that was actually the other most popular um, uh, Greco-Roman uh, moral philosophy, you know, before Christianity went out. I, I like the Hindu conception of of Brahman and Atman, yeah. and yeah. you know, like like that that kind of thing. I don't think that I'm a pantheist because I don't really know what a pantheist is. And when I've heard people describe it to me, I'm like, yeah, I don't care. I don't totally agree. That with sounds that. a little wishy washy for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's what it is. <laughs> but I, I, I just think I think everything is an incomplete fiction. We're all taking stabs at the dark. We, we don't have anywhere close to enough data to really know what we're talking about. Anybody, even with these really fascinating discussions that go back thousands of years, we're still operating from a very limited data set. And you know, so I yeah. just take it all with a grain of salt. And what people are doing is they're revealing themselves they're, they're revealing what is really important to them what their values are what meaning they create in their minds and in as much as i'm interested in connecting with that person i'll <laughs> i'll engage yeah yeah that's how i that's how i feel about very good Randy. do i do i pass <laughs> no i was just curious yeah <laughs> so i know i know you were you were into psychics for a bit uh, i still love psychics man <laughs> but but i i love psychics for the same reason of of like tell me what you tell me what's going on tell, tell me what you think and i i love being surprised by ideas that i've never heard before and so talking with with psychics or mediums that channel extraterrestrial intelligence or you know like whatever this stuff is it's fascinating to me but it's the same i i, I think of it the same way i would uh, going to a, a concert and listening to music uh th this is artistic expression and i'm enjoying it for what i enjoy about it and not everybody likes country music yeah <laughs> <laughs> i think uh consciousness itself is is the the most daunting and exciting field of research out there because we are a long way away from understanding consciousness yeah. and how it emerges yeah. from all the, the just the electricity and the neurons. 
or those split brain. So, so I, I recently got yeah. Donald Hoffman's book, the case against reality. It, are, are you familiar with that, Randy? Uh, yeah, I'm familiar with it, but I haven't read it. Okay. Yeah. Fascinating. Have you read that, John? You know that? I haven't read it, but I'm, I, like you say, I've, uh, um, well, Michael, um, Ferguson like talks about this and his, oh, okay. like, yeah. his, yeah. different, his different ideas about um, uh, consciousness and brain yeah. and that kind of thing. I miss talking with Michael about that kind of stuff. We had yeah. some good conversations uh, yeah. a while ago. Yeah. Yeah. I, with those split brain experiments are especially interesting where they cut the corpus callosum and the right side and the left side are like two completely different they, they, they don't know each other. They have different ideas. They don't communicate at all with each other. They don't communicate other. at all. Yeah. And so it, 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 it looks like our personalities are just a composite of whatever stuff we've got in our, in our minds and how it's yeah. communicating with each other at any time. Um, but it, it's not that consciousness itself goes away. It's just the way that it's perceiving itself being filtered through all these different neural pathways as right. a human. That's how we experience it. But what's consciousness for a dog or a bat or a butterfly or a shrimp or, or, or AI or, or what? Or AI. AI. Yeah. Do they have conscious AI yet? I don't no, think. no, no, no. We're a long way away <laughs> right now. They're, they're working on narrow AI that is really good at a narrow um, path or, uh, t- you know, um, uh, task. But Ex and- Machina is one of my favorite movies. Yeah, it's great. To think, it's it's great to think about it, but yeah. I think that the the pathway that we're going to get to anything that passes the Turing test, which is like you wouldn't be able to even recognize that it's a AI that you're talking to, right? Um, is just a bunch of narrow AIs all put together. Yeah. <laughs> and then I, I just I, I just have this like pessimism about us ever understanding consciousness. Um, and will that narrow that composite of narrow AI be self-aware, be afraid of not existing. I don't know. I'm not going to be alive to find out. That's for sure. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of humans can't pass the Turing test. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got just your typical QAnon person. You're like, you like, you can't, surely you can't be serious. This is, this is a bot, right? You keep repeating the same thing. Stop talking about pedophiles. What are you talking about? <laughs> Why is it always pedophiles? <laughs> yeah. Right on. Well, I'll, I'll, uh, we can wrap it up and you can go and watch Rick and Morty with your kids, Randy. Is, is there anything that you want to say in conclusion? No. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't really want to talk in the first place. Oh, but you did. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on. This is the well, first time in so long that I've done this. And yeah, I just couldn't, I couldn't take the anxiety of putting myself out there anymore. Is that what it was? Uh-huh. Cause I, I remember there were so many times where we would joke about, okay, this is Lan- Randy's last episode. Yeah. And then when it finally was, it was like, I think the last one you did was that, uh, you did something with Matt and Tom about cats. The Oh yeah. Oh my God. I totally forgot yeah. about that. And that, I think that was only a little over a year ago. It was right before COVID. Yeah. But... I, I just have a sweet, like a tender place in my heart for Tom. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the don't fuck with cats uh, documentary. Was, yeah. Highly recommend it to anyone listening. Yeah. That's a good documentary. Yeah. 
How about you, but, John? Uh, any words of wisdom in closing? Well, when, well, what I'm just struck with is just how wonderful it is to be able to spend time with you two guys. It's fun, isn't it? It's I nice. mean, um, I love talking to you guys and been great friends and are great friends. And uh, no, I don't have any words of wisdom, but no, I guess people can. Um, I'm not telling people how to live their life. <laughs> I'm just telling <laughs> what I've what I found is valuable to, to in what I'm doing, and I'm I'm I'm. Have a pretty uh, fulfilled and happy life, and um, hopefully helping other people with that. But that's all. That's pretty much it. Yeah. You don't. But that's not the only way. And everybody has all kinds of different wonderful ways that they can live life. Yeah. And I don't think it's um, so much suffering. So you but... are a relativist in that sense. No. <laughs> no. Because... Isn't that isn't that quite relativistic? No, because uh, relativism is that there's no. Um, no meaning and everything, everything that you might do is as good or bad as the other thing. Mm. And I, I don't believe that. I actually think that there's all kinds of wonderful things that you could do. Uh, and that my way is not the only good way, yeah. you know, and that not even a hierarchy, but, mm. but that there are lots of things that would be um, negative and meaningless. In other words, and so I think there's all kinds of different things that you can do that are actually quite awful and that that would not be, um, as good a thing to do as doing something that's good. Shame on me for trying to tease you. <laughs> I'll give you an example of, of John and his, um, his version of, um, uh, I don't know. What's a, is it, do you, are you okay with the term worship? Sure. Okay. So the day after the John helped me and my brother do the memorial service for, um, my niece, my brother's daughter. Oh, yeah. um, <clears throat> we went to church at um, the Community of Christ there in Salt Lake. And John got up and was kind of the keynote talk of the sacrament meeting and gave this wonderful um, presentation on Boethius. And, uh, and John, if you can, what, what, what was your take home with Boethius? I think it was uh, like... Well, well you know, is, what I was trying to do it was, was like, like, okay, go ahead. Well, I'm just going to say, you know, your brother's, your brother's a philosopher. Yeah. And Boethius um, was a Christian philosopher, one, wrote one of the most, um, went through everything, right? So in other words, he was a person who had the same kind of Job style suffering and loss. In other words, he'd had everything and he, and he lost everything, executed. Uh, uh, Except he but, actually existed. Yeah, Job is Joseph. Job is a fictional character. But this no, is, I mean, but Boethius is is Job, but actually Job, he lived. Yeah, he's a real guy. He's a real yeah. guy. A, a real guy. So, in other words, this is the guy who's the prime minister of Theodoric, the great king of the Ostrogoths. In other words, after the fall of the Roman Empire, he's a Roman uh, Christian who um, who's a philosopher who was had had it all wealth, fame, power, every other thing, and then he uh, was arrested. You know, by there was a conspiracy or whatever, and he lost it all, and he was executed by uh, by the king. Um, but but in the, in that, in other words, having lost everything as a philosopher, he he consoled himself by saying, I can't uh, these things that I had in a, in a sense are, are you know, even having lost everything. I, I don't you know, those I don't lose it all. If I have my uh, my values, my integrity, the fact that I identify uh, with doing good and and therefore um, there in, in fact, actually no matter how much it seems like uh, people who are rotten people are actually doing great because they're a billionaire or whatever they're doing, they're, they're still 
the uh, self-conscious prick. And so they're, it's their own, their own punishment and being good is its own reward in a sense, because you, you value this thing that you've accomplished and you are participating in that, which is, is good. And so, and so I was just trying to, um, uh, this this book has been one of the one of the the consolation of philosophy by Boethius has been one of the um, the things that has consoled philosophically minded people for ever since you know fourteen hundred years or whatever it's been and and so I just was trying to do anything I could to say anything of consolation to Jimmy who is in a circumstance that you can't you can't console a guy in, in in the circumstance where he was in and and so all words even all philosophy everything like that is not not meaningful at that time but um, I just talked about that because of your brother you know yeah but that's like that's the level of discourse uh, of a sermon by by john hamer is uh is all the best thoughts and ideas that uh um that have been you know put out there over a couple thousand years of a really long discussion um that's why i get really irritated people come into it uh, not being aware at all of the conversation for the last two thousand years and feel like they figured out moral philosophy Right. I'm looking at you, Sam Harris. <laughs> 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 but uh, uh, and 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 it's just uh, to, to wax nostalgic a little bit. I just it's so funny that uh, my first contact with John on any meaningful way was me getting pissed off at him because he would not give the uh, Sydney or, or the Mark no, not Mark uh, Sydney Rigdon. Um, author of the Book yeah, of the Mormon, Craig, the Craig Criddle, the, the Craig Criddle of uh, hypothesis, yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, and and how he just kind of just was so frustrated with me. He wrote a comment that was like uh, really dismissive and insulting, <laughs> <laughs> of my opinion. And, and here we are, all these years later. He's like one of the closest friends I have in the world. So, yeah, um, yeah. I don't know how that happened, but it happened, and, and I'm grateful for it. Love you, man. I love you, too. Glenn. Yeah, I love yeah, you, we too, should, Randy. We should talk more. I know <laughs> I know. it's mostly you texting me. Are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't talked to you for a while. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, okay. uh, yeah, we've, we've had some good times, man. I think we started Absolutely. back in 2012. Yeah, but we started even before then because 2011 was when we you, you mentioned Sam Harris. I had the privilege of of meeting Sam Harris with you and <laughs> I remember when he was walking up and you saw him I didn't know what he looked like. And the first thing you said to him was I got a bone to pick with you. Like, Hi, my name's Randy Snyder, by the way. Just the, the, look on, the look on his face was like, who is this guy? But he was smiling, you know, he just thought, all right, bring it on. Let's hear it. Well, and it, it had, continued. It had to do with it the Middle East. It had to do with the Middle East because so he, yeah. <clears throat> he believes that uh, religion is more of a factor than sociopolitical factors in the extremism in the Middle East. And, and I disagree that it's more... Uh, the other way anyway and then it continued into lunch and we were still arguing because he is like he's very um and i know you are too um sympathetic towards sheldrake who i despise oh. as a con man and and so uh that, and, and then i don't know if you remember glenn they had a timer that made a switch so he yeah, got away i don't me. think i was aware of sheldrake at that time so if you were talking with him about sheldrake that would have gone right <laughs> over my head oh okay yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, but anyway, that, 
That's <laughs> just kind of my nature. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> cool. But yeah, we started we started with Mormon expression as yeah. guests. You yeah. you brought me you brought me into Mormon expression and then uh then we branched out almost 10 years ago. God, time flies, man. Yeah. Yeah, nine, pretty much nine years ago was when the first Infants episode came out, August yeah. of 2012. So, Still one of my favorites. It was uh, one of the first ones was reviewing um, Singles Ward. Yeah, we did. We, that was a Mormon expression. We did Singles Ward. We did a father-in-law pornography one that was a lot of fun. And then we did... <laughs> I remember we Book did Mormon, one for them the Book of yeah, movie. On, on, and I was calling it pseudopigrapha and you're like, you, why do you keep calling it pseudopigrapha? Would you pronounce it right? It took me a while. Took me a while. Pseudopigrapha. Pseudopigrapha. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we had some good times. <laughs> and, could, and could still, I mean, we still could. Absolutely. Yeah, just have, have something a little bit more specific, like reviewing something. Tell me something what you're like interested in. I don't know. We, something that John and Randy, you know what Randy's interested in? Psychics. <laughs> Conspiracy theories. Conspiracy theory. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how you can't be. I mean, for, for me, because I came up through folklore and anthropology, I'm so interested in the way that the human mind works and expresses itself that I don't, I don't care if it's this out there, weird, wacky thing. The more passionately somebody believes in something and they're willing to talk about it and, and i just i find that so fascinating and i always have so i i think that's interesting i think that they know that to, to see that as a like you say a difference of perspective in terms of how you're what you're you, in other words why why that that engages you and i, I appreciated that comment just now <laughs> so to, <laughs> as an insight to understand it because i mean because I, I actually also I'm more on Randy's side because I don't actually, I'm not interested in that, but I get why. Oh, I know. Like I, I wanted you to participate <laughs> in the Return to Collab series that I recently did. And you're like, yeah, I'm not interested in that sort of thing. But yeah. oh my gosh, listening, listening to the ideas of this woman, Wendy Kennedy, who channels the ninth dimensional Pleiadians and then comparing them to Joseph Smith's ideas of Mormonism. That was fun, dude. That was so much fun. <laughs> as a folklorist, that must have just made you hard. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> as hard as I can be. <laughs> is, and is that kind of the beginning of your doubts glenn is like you're studying folklore you, you're like man everything was made up <laughs> i don't know i think I, I think i traced the beginning of my doubts more to on my mission when i started seeing how politically ambitious a lot of the other missionaries were and kind of ruthless in their political ambitions and then i saw that in myself and went oh no I don't like that. And I, yeah. so it was that gradual awareness over time of the ways that people use uh, the stories in religion to justify bad behavior. And, and that was kind of the starting point, I think, for me. But it took a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, good talking with you guys. Yeah. If you want Wonderful to talking to you guys. Sorry. My internet connection must not be good because I cut out probably about five times. I don't know if you guys noticed all of them. I think one of them was right in the middle of when you were talking. We only noticed one yeah, of them. Yeah. One of them when I was talking. Because I didn't I did do a lot of talking. But, uh, but anyways. Um, yeah, let's do this again sometime. Right all righty. All right. See ya. See ya. Put down the weapons that you use against yourself. You don't need them anymore.
Hey there, thanks for listening all the way to the end. Now, I really hope that you enjoyed today's episode. I have more to say about this topic, and I'm going to do that with a follow-up behind-the-scenes sharing time episode on Patreon. So, if you're in a position where you can throw me a few dollars each month to support the work that I put into creating this podcast, please come and support me on Patreon, where you'll also get access to additional content. Did you know that I also create sharing time episodes that are available only to Patreon subscribers? I've been doing that for a few years, so there's a lot of content there that you can have access to. So please come and support this podcast if you can. I greatly appreciate it. Hi, this is Hillary, Matthew, Ryan, Carol, Keith, Ashley, and I like to play bingo online while listening to Infants on Thrones. You can comment on this episode on the website, infantsonthrones.com. And if you really like what you hear, give the quorum a five-star rating and write a short review on iTunes. I did. I did. I did. Anyone for the closing prayer? My worst crime is an inside job. Dark thoughts taking over like an inside mob. I tune into the scene between the eyes and take a breath. Thank you for listening to Infants on Front. I sit still and watch the thoughts float past me. Never mind the future, never mind what the past be. I like to jump and let the universe catch me. Three, four, watch the beauty blow past me. I keep my pockets like destination in sight. Keep my actions elevated to compassionate heights. I'm walking past the fight, laying down on such a night. Choosing love when I pick up this mic.